Hi, and welcome to the Quick and Dirty Romance Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Sky McDonald, author of the Anti Bell series, including the newly released Just Your Type. And I'm Sarah Smith, author of Faker, If You Never Come Back, Simmer Down, On Location, The Close Up, In Love with Lewis Prescott, The Boy with the Bookstore, and Dessert Flirt Repeat. And together we are Sarah Skye, author of the best selling Sips and Strokes, Vibes and Fields, and Whiskers and Sunshine. Each episode will dive deep into what it's like to be a contemporary romance author. We'll talk writing inspiration, give you the inside scoop about the publishing world, chat about how we write those infamous sex scenes, and more. And then we'll pull out and wrap it up in 30 minutes or less, but we promise to leave you satisfied. So if you haven't already read our books, be sure to check them out after you listen to this podcast. And please do DM us with any questions or requests for future episodes that you may have. So we want to start today's episode by saying that these are personal preferences and opinions only, of course. We respect and love how broad our genre is, and we want people to read and write what they enjoy. But today we're talking about hard limits when it comes to tropes. That's right, because everyone should know what their hard limits are when it comes to tropes and everything else. One of my hard limits is olives. Don't put them near me. But no, today we're talking about writing and the things that we will write, the things that we haven't yet written. But really what we're talking about today are the hard limits and what we stay firmly away from in terms of tropes. And again, it's no disrespect to anybody, but we wanted to talk about the things you won't see from Sarah or me and why that is. So let's dive in. Sarah, um, what tropes won't we touch? Why not start with one? Throw one out. Okay. Well, first I want to say this is why we work well together, Sky, because I really like olives. So you don't like olives and I like olives. So. It's a great relationship. I, right? Yeah. Um, okay. So for me, one of the tropes that I don't personally like to write or read because it just weirds me out. Um, and again, no offense to anybody, is um, mafia romance. Mm. Right. And I, and, and admittedly, I don't read a lot of, or I, and I haven't read a lot of mafia romance, but I think it's, for me, it's just the fact that it's um, typically part of like the dark romance genre where there's a lot of like, um, just a lot of heavy, very heavy things happening, a lot of violence. Mm -hmm. um, a couple that I have like read the synopsis of, it's like, um, and not, and not all of them are like this. Obviously, each author does their own um, twist on the trope. But um, a couple of them are like the daughter of somebody who owes like a debt. So he like sells his daughter yeah. to like, yeah. the, you know, to the mafia, which in it, it like ends up fine in the story and ends up fine. But like just something about that is like really um, upsetting to me okay. as a person. And I and I cannot totally understand like, um, if you, if you want like escapism and, and if like one of the great things about romance is um the genre has its like very predictable arc and right. plot points you know it's all going to be okay in the end um and that's great and that's what I love about it but like there's just something really heavy about that that I can't handle <laughs> I don't know do you read a lot of mafia romance am I missing out I do not. Um, I do not read a lot of mafia romance. I will say as a teenager and young adult, I loved mafia movies, not romantic movies, but like the Godfather. Oh my gosh, that was my jam when I was in high school. Um, I have moved away from 
like a lot of violence in my shows and fiction and real life. That was never really a thing. But, you know, um, I find as I've gotten older, uh, I've moved away from sort of finding violence as appealing. And But I certainly do understand, like, being about 20 years old and finding, like, the romanticization of violence very fun. Like, I had no problem with Pulp Fiction. And, again, these are not romances, so I want to I'm, – I'm going somewhere with this. But the, like, ultra-violence of that, to borrow a, a term from a film um, – I found it just fun and cool. It was cool, right? I didn't get confused that that's how I wanted to live my life, but it was cool and it was sexy. So I can totally see how adding in actual sex and love to a a mafia, I mean, it's a great combination um, if that's very appealing to you. And indeed, as a very, like in my early 20s, it was appealing, it would have been appealing to me. Now it is not so much. Um, I don't know where that turned or why, but I'm just not, I'm not as drawn to watching a lot of violence and reading about it. So it's not very appealing to me. That said, I can still get into a good action movie. I really can. And like, I know it, but just overall, it's not as palatable. So, you know, dark romance, it's an interesting term. Um, it, it encompasses so much, Um, and then mafia, even mafia romances do encompass a lot. So there is a lot of like Stockholm syndrome, um, that I, I'm not really a fan of. Although I guess if I look at it in a different way, it's basically the modern day damsel in distress. No. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see it that way, but you know, I don't write damsels in distress. And so, and I'm sure that, you know, many of the women are actually strong, but in a very crap situation and they have to figure out. Like there are many ways, as you just said, that we can do it. But um, I do not have a plan for mafia romance. But if I did, it would definitely have some sort of spin on it. Um, Because, yeah, the the like being sold or something like that, it is while it is an excellent fantasy. Right. Like you said, I mean, that's part of our genre. It's all fantasy, all different types of fantasy. Um, I would not be. I would not feel like I was giving voice to a character that I understood very well if that was what I was working with. So yeah, for sure. Good point. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense to me at least. Um, what, okay. So what is, (laughs) what's a trope that you, what's your, like, what's one trope that you don't ever want to read or write? (laughs) Okay. So there are ways that this can be done as a story that I would read. But I, you will not find me writing a teacher-student romance. And for those of you who have ever heard me speak, you probably know that I was a teacher for a long time. And I was a teacher at a school who unfortunately had quite a few inappropriate allegations and scandals between teachers and students. Um, oh yeah, to the point where... We had to undergo so much like workshopping around never do this, never do that, like things that in other schools I had worked in because of the community element, um, like sometimes we looked after the kids in like almost like a parental way, like the assistant principal would organize things for the kids, things that at that sc- at the school that I later worked at would have been like hugely no simply because of the unfortunate things that had happened. So I really didn't like the way that that played out. And it's I mean, it's not the school's fault. Like they had to cover themselves. But to me, the dynamic of a student and a teacher is a mentor. 
right? And so when a student becomes involved, and again, you know, college student, they're sexy, you know, TA, like that's cool. Like I get it. Or like mistaken identity. And then you feel like there's a way in which two consenting adults are going about a relationship. And one of them happens to have a job title that puts them as a teacher. Okay. But for the most part, I find the teacher student relationship to be a mentor mentee. And I find um, romantic involvement in that to be a, a form of manipulation. And so I'm not comfortable with it, even though, again, I know it can be done and done super like well and not at all creepy. It's just from my lived experience, I wouldn't go near that trope. I mean, that makes sense because um, I feel like, like you said, the there's a manipulation that could and does happen like in real life situations mm -hmm. of this. And anytime, at least for me, we're dealing with a power dynamic that isn't equal, that really just gives me the creep. I I don't like it. Yeah. And um and yeah, like any anytime where there's like a um where one of the characters, typically the student, obviously, because I don't know how it would work otherwise, is like not of age. Oh. Or like is just barely yeah. legal, like that. That really, like, I just can't. and not and not saying that like teacher student romances are all like that because they're not. Yeah. But like, um, just yeah, just that. That's what that makes me think of, and I just can't. Like, I can't get past that. Honestly, yeah. I'm with that. I'm with that. Yeah, for sure. All right, you got another one. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I have a lot. Okay. Actually. <laughs> Okay. Um, this one, there's not anything wrong with this one. I just don't personally, um, don't really like it. I don't like Insta love and I want to like make a clarification because I love Insta connection. Yeah. Like I love it, which I think most romances and rom-coms have at least the ones that I've read in the last handful of years, like obviously like in the meet cute, something happens to trigger their like attraction for each other whether or not the characters like each other or hate each other depending on what kind of trope it is but like there's just something about insta love where like the two characters do they just seem like they're in love right off the bat i really don't like that and i don't i don't even know i couldn't even tell you like why exactly it's just doesn't you know i think it's probably because it doesn't for me i don't personally believe in love at first sight when it comes to like romantic partner Okay. Um, not to say that like uh, like if another or other people like believe in love at first sight and have experienced it that's awesome but for me I could never just because to me love is like like um taking care of your partner when they're sick or like sticking through a really hard emotional or trying time together and not giving up on each other like going through hard things yeah when it's not like love and bliss and sexiness and sex all the time, like it's the hard crap that you go through. <clears throat> that's love to me. And I don't think you can feel that instantly for somebody. I do think you can feel attraction and connection though. 100%. And I'm all about insta connection and insta attraction. Just, I can't do insta love. I just instantly, I'm like, you know what? This isn't for me. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't read a lot of those, but I know what you mean. It's like the idea that as soon as the two MCs meet, it's just done. Of course they're in love, right? Like, mm, I think you have to learn about somebody to, like, really go to that next level. Um, that's an interesting one. I hadn't thought about that. But, yeah, yeah, it wouldn't occur to me to write two people, like, meetings, so like, hello, hello, okay, we're done, right? Like, 
Of course, then the story becomes centered around not them getting to know each other or learning to love each other, but uh, but more like what they go through together. But I have seen that, like this idea of like, well, but no, of course they're in love now because, you know, they've met. And yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't build it that way, too. I tend to build either like. They've known each other a long time or when they first meet, there's like chemistry but it doesn't it's not love like it's like hmm this person's interesting so yeah for sure right yeah. i just and i like i've um i can actually uh think of an author who i get and it depends on probably how you like you as a reader take it when you read it but um tessa bailey does a lot of hmm. what could be classified as insta love but mm-hmm. i don't technically like me i don't um take it as insta love I take it more as like insta attraction or insta connection yeah Yeah. um but again it it depends on who you who you ask and what they consider like oh that actually was them falling for each other the the first meeting and then other people like no it's more like they just had a really strong connection and then they fell for each other in like yeah a week or something um a short timeline which again isn't the most realistic thing in the world but I can totally buy that if it's insta connection or insta um attraction I could totally buy that it's just yeah insta love I have a hard time with I don't know why again it's just interesting it's just me and my weirdness I guess no again like the whole point of this is not that we have some sort of answer it's just our own perspective um and you know I would love to hear from people who have very different perspectives, right? Like, so for me, one thing that I don't envision myself ever writing is monster romances. And, you know, many times it's done really well. Like, I, it's a huge part of the PNR, paranormal all over the place. Paranormal in general, I don't see myself writing. Um, And yet it is a hugely popular trope right now. And like I said, I mean, there's no, there's nothing that's like, oh, this is why it's bad. It's not bad. It's great. All of these tropes are great because they make up this beautiful mosaic of a genre. But like, I just don't have a story where somebody falls in love with a, a Superman. Like it doesn't. It doesn't like occur to me as a as a story I may write. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't foresee like, I don't know. It's just not. I heard a really interesting reading at um when I was at Love and Devo- Devotion Book Con, the woman read a whole scene about it was a spanking scene with a kraken, so like tentacles, like, um, she did she first of all she read it really well and second of all it worked because of the way she built it, um, I can't remember kraken I don't know I'll try to put it in the show notes but. For everybody who's listening and like, no, give me that book. Like, respect, girl, respect, or man, um, or anything else. Um, but yeah, so people love monster romances, and it just doesn't occur to me how that storyline would play out in my mind, you know? No, ex- exactly. Yeah, it's hard to want to write a trope that you personally aren't excited about or you don't relate to in a way. Yeah. Um, just as a side note, I, um, I, okay, this might be very sad to some people, but hey, it's me. Um, I just like found out what a Kraken was like, oh, <laughs> a couple years ago. Cause I, I don't like, I don't know. Again, I don't delve in that, um, genre and I don't, I, I don't even really know what it, it's like a sea monster, right? Sea monster. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I, <laughs> and then I found out 
not that long ago because I don't pay attention to sports, guys, which is not a surprise oh. to anyone who knows me. That there is a hockey team that yep. that's their um, I think that's their mascot, right? Seattle yeah. Kraken, right? They're okay, new, yeah, new team, yeah, newish team, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. So that's this is all just new stuff to me. I don't um, yeah. So I will tell you that many and many years ago. I used to teach middle school, as you know, and one of the things I would show, I would do a Greek mythology unit and I would show, for those of you listening who know, you know, I would show the old movie, The Clash of the Titans. I don't mean the redone one because they redid it within the last 10 years. I'm talking about like the 1980s, like stop motion, claymation, Clash of the Titans, but it had a Kraken in it and it wasn't a sexy Kraken. It was just a Kraken. (laughs) So I've known about Krakens for a long time for that reason. Plus I watched pirates of the caribbean um so yes uh it is a sea monster like known for sinking ships and you know just generally terrorizing the seas but um <laughs> yeah seattle's hockey team is named after that so <laughs> yeah the more you know the more you know yeah i just did it like i don't know i'm like i've heard people say like in the past like oh release the crack and i'm like what the yeah. hell does that even mean and then i just wouldn't think about it <laughs> well, because i don't I learned within the last couple of months what a Jacob's ladder is when it has to do with piercings. So, oh yeah, the more I, get... <laughs> I'm not no, I... to look it up. Um... <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna go into that in this episode, guys. Sorry, it's another episode. That's another hard limits episode. <laughs> no, but um, yeah. So monster romance is not a thing I'd see. Although you know, our friend Steph Simpson writes it great. I love it. Um, she is always putting together like really interesting and like things that I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'd read that. But then when I read hers, I'm like, oh no, this was great. So absolutely mm-hmm. love it. Any others that spring to mind? We've kind of hit some pretty big ones. Um, I don't like Secret Baby. Oh, <laughs> I really don't like Secret Baby, which is um maybe interesting because I love like in an epilogue or a bonus epilogue when one of the characters gets pre- or one of the you know, one of the main characters gets pregnant. Um, I love that. Like, it just makes it like extra happily ever after like happiness, but secret baby. I just don't, I really don't like it because I don't like the thought of like the, the female main character, like having to bear the emotional burden and physical burden too, yeah. um, of a baby and the other character doesn't have to deal with that Mm -hmm. I mean for what for whatever reason like there's always you know a good plot and story that explains why the characters do what they do in a secret baby trope romance but for me personally it just hits close too close to home I guess because then I think of all like the the single moms that I've known in my life and like all the deadbeat dads and stuff and I'm not I'm sorry I don't mean to be painting things complicated issues with a um with a, a, the same brush but like it just like I don't know it just makes no. me like bum- it just bums me out and I don't like that <laughs> but I can offer like the other side of that coin as well um because I think your point is exactly I mean it's great like you know I I'm not a mother I, I'm not a mother but I have you know known many people who have gone through pregnancy I have you know single motherhood is very difficult even when you're you have a great support system like it's always a lot but even with two-parent home, a baby's a freaking lot of work. So there's that part. To me, from the other side of the point of view, 
I think it's unfair to deny the information to somebody that they have an offspring in the world, right? Like for whatever reason is set up, I get it. I get it. And again, people do it really well. It can be really compelling, but like to my mindset on this, if somebody like comes up to you five years later and like, oh, here's your child. You missed that in child's entire, like you didn't like the male, like the father didn't have the opportunity to say, I want to be in this child's life. So like a secret, like keeping that information from somebody, a father should step up and provide, but should also have the right to know that they have a being, they've created a person, right? Right. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. That is the other side of that, obviously. It's just, it's just like a super complicated, like real it, life issue. And I hate, like, I don't, I don't want to read about it in my fun yeah. romance times, you know? Will you write a, a child into uh, the main part of the story? Will you, would you do that? Um, I would. I would do that. Um, I haven't yet. Other mm-hmm. than like, like I said, like happy bonus epilogues, which are just like a chapter long. Right. Um, but I, I don't know. Cause again, like I don't have kids and I don't have experience with that. And I don't know if I would do a very good I'm I'm actually thinking about maybe doing that at like a single parent romance or something like that. I think that could be fun. Yeah. Um, I just haven't I haven't like attempted it because. Well, I will I'm tell scared. you, I have two books on pre-order for 2024, and one of them may have a single parent trope in it. Ooh, that's exciting. May. Okay. Okay, so that makes me okay. So I have like a question just popped in my head that I think could be interesting for us to answer. Okay. If you don't, if you don't mind, um, what is the trope that you thought you would never write that you did end up writing? Do you have that? Ooh. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, I bet I know your answer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, hmm, I don't know if I've gotten there yet. I don't know if I've gone over my hard limits. Well, I want to say that just your type is getting close because I never really thought I would write any kind of like BDSM. And while just your type is not erotica and it is not BDSM, it does feature a little bit of a DS relationship, a little bit. Like when I say that, I want to be clear. It's just like, just a little little taste, just a little taste, but that said, I mean, I guess that's the closest thing. And even then, that is not a, like, fully developed BDSM relationship. Um, it is it is not, right? Like, so I guess it's the closest I've come to that. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I, be, I, I think that that's a good um, answer for you because I agree. Like, it is not. I, yeah. And I, I read the book. It's awesome. It's amazing. People should read it. But yeah, like if you're like, oh God, I really want some BDSM erotica. Give me just your type. No, don't do oh, that. No. But it um, but it does explore elements of that. Yeah. In a in a great fun way in the context of a romance. Yeah, just a very like light exploration of dominance, right? Mm-hmm. And but yeah. even then, like you're not seeing the full development of a DS relationship. And I want to stress that that is true because you know. I think that's a thing that like sometimes we can get cavalier about in romance. Like 
DS relationships are very important and the boundaries of them need to be defined. So like this is an example of a, of a touch into without it going all the way. And, you know, there are certain books <clears throat> that depict it inaccurately. Um, and then there are books that depict it very accurately, but I, I want to be clear that like, this is a light touch, right? So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's good to make note of. Okay. So for me, I never thought I would, I never thought I would write a sports romance because one, I don't like sports. Um, personally, <laughs> I don't have anything against them. I just personally don't enjoy playing, watching, being around them. Don't really care about them which uh, it's probably not all that surprising if you know me at all. Um, but I ended up writing a steamy hockey romance that um, is coming out pretty soon. Yeah. Um, and that's a surprise. And I did that because hockey romance just kind of blew up in the mm -hmm. past couple of years. And I'm like, you know what? Let's see if I can ride this wave. Let's see if I can learn just enough about hockey to write a steamy romance about it, and I think I did, again, this isn't like some sports case study about hockey. If that's what you want, that's not what this is. Um, but he plays hockey in it because he's a hockey player. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, so that's an example of like, I never thought I would do a sports romance, but I did it. And I, and I had a, like, I really enjoyed writing it. I think it's, probably one of the better books that I've ever written, honestly. Um, and not because of hockey necessarily, right. but I think just because I don't, I've lost track of what number book this is. And just, you know, like just as the more you do something, the right. better you get at it, obviously. So I just think it's a better book than like my first book was. Well, that's so interesting that you say that because I too have a hockey romance coming. However, I wrote this hockey romance some time ago. So, and I do have a deep love of sports and I was going to say to you off camera, but I'll say it on, I think our next episode should be about hockey romance. I think so too. I think that would be great. I, and I think, um, I just think it's a really like hot trope right now. That's having its moment. It is in a lot of ways, good and bad. We yep. get into that in our, <laughs> our discussion. Um, we go face first into hockey yeah. on our next episode. <laughs> That's a great but, idea. I love it. But in the meantime, that was good for me. Was it good for you, Sarah? Hell yeah, it was good for me. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope you have been entertained by our hard limits on tropes. If you like what you hear, please, please do leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. If you haven't already read our books, they are. Sips and Strokes, Vibes and Feels, and Whiskers and Sunshine by Sarah Skye. The Not-So-Nice Girl, Not Suitable for Work, Off the Record, Nemesis, and Just Your Type by Skye McDonald. And Faker, Simmer Down If You Never Come Back, On Location, The Close-Up, In Love with Lewis Prescott, The Boy with the Bookstore, and Dessert Flirt Repeat by the prolific Sarah Smith. You can find us on Instagram. We are at author Sarah Skye, and I am on Instagram at writer Skye McDee. And you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at, at author Sarah S. We love to hear from you. So reach out and DM us with any questions or requests for future episodes. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.